Keith Cork, and I am joined, as pretty much always, <laughs> by my good buddy here, Mr. Trey Hill. And we're here to, here to talk Bulls, Trey. I know what we just had, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, last episode was kind of a bit of a crossover episode with Brad of the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawk show. Uh, we, had a, we, had a, we had a blast, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't make it, Trey. I know you had something going on, but uh, we talked for like a, over an hour. Uh, I actually fell through my chair, which he uh, thankfully edited out. Uh, my, my wife has this old FSU chair that I've been using to sit in my brother's garage and uh, and record on and it's it's old it's it's like crusty but that's really no excuse i should probably lose some weight because i fell straight through the bottom <laughs> no judgment here if, if it's old then it's definitely it's probably seen better days but it's i'm glad to be back though it, it is always fun to branch out especially with the different the different teams it's with sports ethos we we had a great crossover with the celtics you had a great crossover with the hawks and really <laughs> i look forward to hopefully doing more of that and just that, that way it's kind of, you know, because during the season, you know, game 67, it's like, okay, we're talking <laughs> about the Bulls game again. It'd be nice to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of hit on the same points when you're talking about just one team. So kind of, and you and I are both, you know, we both are pretty knowledgeable about the league in general. Uh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll throw out like an Eastern standings like we did uh, last year for our uh, now defunct gambling show, like, uh, you know, over under on the win totals if we, we think any of them are, are good. Uh, that'd be kind of a fun way to break things up. But we do try to bring you guys Bulls coverage here uh, as much as we can, obviously. So uh, we want to kick off we, the show here. Go ahead. I was going to say, we've got – I haven't gotten to talk about Lonzo yet. So we've gotten yeah. some Bulls news to talk about, at least for my end. Uh, four yeah. days from now. is he, he, he hasn't even had the surgery yet, but in four days, Lonzo goes under the knife. And then four to six weeks from then, they're, they're going to look at it. It's not even that's his expected recovery date. That's when they're going to reevaluate is the, the term they're <sighs> using. So um, that 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 worries me, the, the reevaluate term, because it's we've been reevaluating Lonzo on a four to six week injury for, what, eight months now? Yeah, it's that's really rough. And, and the way, when you put it like that, it makes me even more nervous because, you know, what I was thinking, Trey – and I said this on the last show, again, go ahead and listen to that if you guys haven't yet uh, with, with Brad from Sports Ethos Hawks. But um, what I said was, you know, basically he was going to be coming back about a week or two into the season. Uh, that was the kind of the last news we had before we talked last time. But now, you know, we had this news that he's getting this surgery. But then the time frame was basically the same, one to two weeks. But I didn't even think about that, that, you know, basically that's just a reevaluation timeline. That, that doesn't I, mean and I, I went ahead and uh, right before we came on, I, I did the numbers. So he's getting the surgery September 28th. A month, so four weeks from then is October 28th. That's six. He would have missed six games into the season at that point. If it's six weeks, say he gets to come back at the end of the six-week evaluation. Uh, that's November 11th. That's 13 games into the season. That's I, I, I think 15% is what I did. Uh, I think it's 15% of the season just right off the top. And while I would rather him miss the beginning of the season than any other point, it's still it's just an unfortunate start to the season when he's had when you know, this injury was back into last season. Yeah. So if we're thinking, and, and this is, you know, good to point out here, if we're thinking like in for fantasy basketball terms right now, my, my mind is so focused on fantasy trade because I'm in like seven different drafts right now as we speak. Uh, they're all slow drafts, so it's not a big deal. I'm not missing anything. But, um, but yeah, if we're thinking of like in fantasy terms, you know, I think best case scenario, this guy plays 60 games. And I think that's really being optimistic about this timeline because like you said, He's going to get reevaluated basically after the first 15 or so games of the season. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be the longer end of that because it just, I mean, I, I've actually got, 
his injury history pulled up here, Trey. And obviously he had that meniscus tear in 2022. You know, it's going to be a six to eight week timeline. It's going to be about a year before he gets on the floor again, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But um, he just didn't respond well. This latest, this latest procedure here was to just basically get out, I, from my understanding, get out like an like a, an infection or inflammation that came about because of this uh, previous uh, uh, attempt to fix his meniscus. So it's like a good. Uh, de- they're they're taking the debris. Of debridement. Yeah, debris. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they're basically. I think when he had the surgery last time, there were there were some still some some things left over in there that they have to go. Whether they developed after the fact or or whatever the case may be, whether it's it's leftover tissue that that tore off after, there there's stuff in there that's gunking up his knee, and right. they they basically they have to go in and clean it out, and so they're hoping they can go in clean up the knee and then he won't have issues when he ramps up because he seems to be fine until he ramps up. And when, when he has trouble running and, and not ramping up that they're hoping that it's just kind of like, you know, stuff floating around in there, they can scoop out. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm looking at his, again, looking at his injury history here and the knees are, have always been a problem. Not only did he have that uh, meniscus tear, I think that was his right knee was the last meniscus tear he had, but he also had, knee tendinopathy in 2021, which is basically just inflammation uh, or just, you know, bitter tenderness of the, of the tendons there, uh, which made him miss some games. He also had a miscus here in 2018. Uh, not sure which, I think that might've been his other knee, uh, his left knee on that one, but I, I'm pretty sure he's had both, both knees with meniscus tears. It had to be because they, they remove or, or at least uh, partially remove that meniscus when, when you tear it. So um, just not, you don't want to call a guy injury prone, but when it becomes that, you know, the guy has the same injuries over and over trade, that's what really makes me worry. And the fact that he's had multiple knee, you know, surgeries at this point in his young career, it, I am really, really worried. How, like on a scale of one to 10, where's your worry level here? Eight and a half. It's, yeah. it's hot. It's up there. Yeah. I'm no, I'm not an expert on, you know, walking and the structure, you know, the structure and how you put weight on different parts of your body with how you step and run and those things. But it, I wonder what the experts would say if they watched Alonzo, if one, you know, just for whatever reason, he's more prone to knee injuries than someone else who maybe runs in a different style. I, I know Steph Curry had to relearn how to run um, right. because of his ankle injuries early in his career. Right. So he wouldn't continue to suffer from those injuries because the way he was running before made him prone to injury. And, he went into the lab and figured, you know, he went and did the, the testing and figured out, oh, this is what's causing it. I, I need to stop doing that. So I don't know if that's the case or if Lonzo's just had some bad luck, but it's definitely up there on the – I almost even want to move it up to a nine yeah. the more yeah. I think about it. It's What about you? Yeah, I, I am very worried. I would say I'm right in that same ballpark of you, eight to a nine or, or, or somewhere in there. You know, I'm not, I'm not 10. I'm not like, you know – I'm like, this guy's going to absolutely miss, you know, the entire season or anything like that. I think he will play. Um, Anthony but, Davis would be a 10, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're kind of, you, that guy's always a 10 because it's like, you know, he's going to miss a, a game because he's, you know, just doesn't feel well that day. Um, so I'm not, I'm not that worry level, but uh, just below that, it is really worrisome because like you said, it could be something that in what he does with running or whatever. It's actually, it's actually counterintuitive because you usually think with guys that are guards that get knee injuries, like you think of Derek Rose, 
Um, I'm thinking like a John Morant. This is a, a reason that I am not think he's going to have a long career is just because of the way he plays. Like these explosive guards that attack the basket nonstop over and over again. Those are the guys that constantly get the knee injuries. But with Lonzo, he's more of a you know spot of a shoot kind of guy. I mean, he does drive and kick, obviously. He, he That is a role that he has on the offensive end. But uh, it's a little bit counterintuitive to me, Trey. I mean, so here, here's my theory for you. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection. The lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters, because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. I think a lot of it, and especially with Derrick Rose, what scared me about Derrick when he would drive is the sudden side-to-side movement. It's that it's that side-to-side. Now, Lonzo, his specialty is defense for mm-hmm. me, especially. Mm-hmm. And a lot of defense is side-to-side. It's a lot of – so I'm wondering if maybe his, you know, his being so good on defense – that just plays into, you know, running into people sideways, just banging bodies. And it's sideways movements are hard on the knees. Yeah. And that's one so, reason I'm, I'm not quite as worried about John Morant as you. Because when he attacks the basket, it does seem to be pretty well straight line, you know, like a line drive. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Derek, you watch him zig and zag through the mm-hmm. lane. And it was just like, it was like watching somebody use the e-brake four times in, you know, like a six second span. Well, I hope you're right about that. Cause I do, I think John Rant's a, a very fun player to watch. I hope he has a long career. So I don't wish any ill upon him. It's just one of my, my many worries with explosive guards like that. But uh, Alonzo, not necessarily that guy. So the guy does surprise me. He has so many knee problems, but um, hopefully he figures, hopefully he figures it out. But if you guys do play fantasy basketball, um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, probably you don't want to target anywhere out, nowhere inside the top 100 at this point. I would probably wait until well out of the you know top 100, maybe 110 to 120. You start looking at this guy if you need assists and steals and stuff like that. But while we're on the topic, Trey, of, of fantasy, I do got a little announcement here. Uh, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? That's right. It was the Brewski 150, and you probably turned those huge wins into some cash, didn't you? Well, great. This year... The Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time, and Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. 
from now. So head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab and grab membership or draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues again with Sports Ethos. I tell you guys right now, that Brewski 150 saves me every year. I always find little hidden gems with that. Um, I've been following Brewski for years and years and years. He was over at Roto World, uh, which is now NBC Sports Edge, but I think it's Roto World again now. But anyways, whatever it is now, uh, he's been doing fantasy basketball for a very long, very long time, and he really knows his stuff. So you want to go grab that fantasy pass, everybody, I promise you. But moving on, Trey, uh, a little bit less of a basketball news piece, but a big news piece that's you know rocking the NBA right now. Um, we, I mean, obviously, we had Robert Sarver. We didn't really touch on that. I don't think I want to touch on that. I just I want to I'm glad play. he's looking to sell. I'm yeah. glad yeah. that um, he's looking to sell both franchises. And that was the, the best news to come out of all of it. So, so yeah. cheers yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll leave it at that. You know, maybe we'll, we'll touch on it at a later date. But um, we'll get married a little bit more. But I think, you know, I do I think we have to talk about M.A. Adoka because obviously the Celtics are in the East. Um, you know, they are one of the top teams in the East. Um, I think we're going to have a very similar opinion about the situation. Uh, so there probably won't be a whole lot to talk about and go back and forth about. But just, I guess, you know, he, obviously, Imeadoka is suspended for the, for the season, if you guys haven't heard yet. For some reason, you're living on Iraq. But he's suspended for the season um, for extramarital affairs uh, with somebody in the organization. I don't believe they've revealed who it was. I don't think they want to. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've missed on that. But... Um, what are your thoughts there, Trey? If a team like the Celtics, it, it seems like they, they found out about a relationship in July. And so they started investigating them. And um, from there, they have said that there were numerous violations. So not just one, but there were numerous violations. And while they haven't said any specifics, uh, Everything it seems to be pointing towards, he had a relationship with someone in the organization. Uh, she, they no longer had a relationship, and then he, you know, um, may or may not have wanted to continue that relationship, which you, you, that's not something you can do in the workplace. And to me, I, I'm glad, I'm glad the Celtics investigated, saw there was going to be an issue. And jumped in front of it and said, look, we got to suspend him for the year. And we're going to keep digging. We're going to see what's going on. And we'll figure it out from there. But right now, we're suspending you for the year. And that's that. So I commend them for that. Um, you can't have a relationship with someone in the workplace, especially when you're in a position of power like the head coach. It's, it's just not something that's appropriate. And... Anyone who has ever worked any corporate job has had that training probably more than once that you have to sit through and just the power dynamics and all of that. So I, I think it's pretty cut and dry that the year-long suspension is warranted. And I'm especially after seeing Matt Barnes's video where he defended Adoka and then came back and said, look, I, I found out some stuff about what happened and I, I retract everything I said. It's to me, I think there's just a lot more going on, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not excited to hear about it. I do, right. I just yeah. I'm glad I'm glad that the Celtics seem to have done the right thing, even if I wish they would have found a better way to release the information to to go about it. 
See that that see this is this is interesting, and I'm glad you know we're having this conversation because I didn't know that wrinkle that he was basically trying to continue a relationship after it ended. Because from what I understood, it was a, a consensual relationship. But like I said, I haven't been following very closely because I've just been very busy with with the kids and everything. But um, but that now that you mentioned that in real time, I'm changing my opinion on this because I, I thought it was absolutely harsh, but it makes sense. And I, sense I would now. I would also point out that it. it even if something's consensual, if you are if you are in charge of something, you you can't date people who are your subordinates. Like mm-hmm. the McDonald's CEO lost like millions and millions of dollars and got fired for something exactly like this. So right. it, it, this is it's not like this is unprecedented to be punished for. It's it's something that it you go through the training for this. It, it's very yeah. common knowledge, and to me, it's it's just. I, I hate even throwing the word consensual out there because that it's just it feels it so gets very it feels tricky. so slimy. Yeah. Like it just feels slimy, and I I hate to say that, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's like I mean you know you look up situations like Harvey Weinstein or something like you know in a very slimy way you can call some of those maybe consensual. You know you don't want to you don't want to call them consensual because there is a very very weird part a very lopsided power dynamic there which um you know someone's taking advantage of to get something they want and that's not the way that uh you know relationships should work uh outside of you know a romantic relationship should work you know obviously when you're talking about a professional relationship it's different but that's why you should separate that stuff and they shouldn't have really gotten involved but uh you know people live their lives they make their choices we're not here i'm not here to police what somebody does in their you know their personal lives um but my initial reaction which is you know again I thought it was like really, really harsh, you know, especially after seeing what you know Robert Sarver got um, for his actions, and that's the reason I brought that up. And then um, now that I'm talking to you and, and hearing a little bit more of the situation, it, it makes a little bit more sense. And I guess what I should have thought about was, you know, if it seems harsh to me, it's probably something that the Celtics organization, I would imagine, was aware of, like you said, well before we were aware of it, and had probably you know, in some way reprimanded him or asked him to cut it off, stop it, you know. This is, you know, this is, if you go down this path, these are the possible outcomes and it's maybe MA continued to push it. You know, I, I, this is me. Just well, that, that's what I thought when it, when it was, because when it first came out it, and this is, this is my biggest gripe with the whole thing and the rush to be the first one, Shams and Woj, they, they have reported the story and it <laughs> yeah. first came yeah. out that it was consensual and that's where you saw it. And so when that first came out and I saw it was suspended for the year, I too, like you thought it was excessive. And like you, in my head, I'm thinking, well, why, why would they suspend him for the whole year if for right. a sensual relationship? And I, I also got to the, well, maybe they've been investigating and it was there's there's more to it. And then and then it came out that it was um, and I don't, I don't know if that's came out on ESPN or something. I've just like that's been what's been on, you know, out in the Twitterverse is that, it you know, it was someone who ended up being a subordinate and it. You know, she had she had called it off, and, and that's why the suspension was so long. But even even the, regardless of what it was, assuming it's it is what it what it appears to be, and what Matt Bar- like, I Matt Barnes drove like what 400 miles to fight Derek Fisher at Derek Fisher's <laughs> house. Like Matt Barnes <laughs> is is about it when it comes to shit, and for him to have that reaction, it's just. I think it's going. Whatever comes out, the Celtics are going to be very justified in their actions. But to compare it to the Sarver thing, one thing I will say, 
I was very disappointed in the Adam Silver press conference yeah. that yeah. Adam Silver had the option to suspend Sarver for life. He could have suspended him indefinitely, just banished him from the league. And he said, I'm suspending this man for a year because I believe this man deserves to own an NBA team. And the backlash from that is what got Sarver to sell, which is great. I'm glad Sarver is selling. But my outrage wasn't when I saw this thinking, man, Sarver deserved – if Sarver got a year, you know, Adoka didn't deserve this. It was Adoka deserves this year. Sarver deserves so much more, and I'm ashamed mm. of the NBA for standing behind him. Yeah. And I think, I think just these two stories back-to-back, it's – it's, it's, it's been such a bad week for the NBA as a league. I think they can't wait for games to get started. Yeah, I think, I think though, if, you know, if we look at the, hit, the long history of the NBA when it comes to things like this, I mean, it's an opportunity for the NBA to improve. And I think you will see the NBA, uh, you know, it, life is, it, it's a long, you know, there are many things that happen in life and something like this is going to unfortunately happen again in the future. And I think when that happens again, Trey, I think it will be a better response that the NBA gives, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that this was really weak. And that, that press conference was just a mistake. I mean, Adam Silver was so weak and waffling about, you know, things he's like, Oh, well perhaps we could have done that. Or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we could have looked into that a bit more or whatever. And it's like, and you know, like he was like kind of trying to hide behind, well, you know, I've got certain powers as commissioner and I don't have certain powers. And it's like, dude, you run the league. Like, you know, you can tell people get the F out and you should have, you know, based on what we know now about what Robert saw, Robert Sarver, you know, acted over several, you know, a number of years. You know, I think this was like, what, it's been like a decade, if, right? If it was David Stern and he, and let's say he made, let's say David Stern came to the same decision. It, he he goes into that press conference. He says, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've decided. And this is what's happening. And he just, he cuts it off. And I think Silver, want, I think he likes being liked. He likes the league being the, the, the progressive league. He likes right. all of that attention. But being, being the good guy while you're having to represent some really bad guys and you're having to be the shield. The commissioner is kind of the shield for the owners from the media, from the mm-hmm. players. And as much as you, as much as Adam Silver wants to be a good guy, when you have to go up there and defend Robert Sarver, you're not going to get to come off like a good guy. And when you try to come off like a good guy, it just seems so disingenuous. It, mm-hmm. it just paints it in a, a very poor light. So yeah. those two things suck. I think yeah. we should just move on from both of them. We have- <laughs> well, let me let me let me let me pose this. So, Amy Adoka's out for the season. Let me, you know, bring it back to basketball. Bring it back to the Bulls. So, is this something where you think, you know, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's escaping me off the top of my head now. Jeff uh, Mazzala, I think. Jeff Mazzala is taking over. Who also, by the way, has a history of domestic abuse, but we'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that. Anyways, uh, he's going to be taking over as interim head coach. And um, do you think that this is something that affects the Celtics in a negative way to the fact to the way, like, do you think that they're no longer favorites to come out of the East? I don't only because they made the finals last year. I think they learned how to win in the in the NBA. I think they, they saw what it takes to get to that level. And as, as much as a being around would help, 
that I, I don't think he's as vital as he was last year. I think he's already changed that culture, and I think the culture will will stick. And maybe it won't, but we'll, I think we'll know in the regular season whether this, you know fairly early on in the regular season whether or not the Celtics team is going to be able to continue to play with with that sort of uh, fire. Which I mean, I guess we actually won't because it looks like Robert Williams might also miss some time at the beginning yeah. of the year. So yeah. we might have to wait <laughs> again until the second half of the season to see what the Celtics really look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of a trick question there because we'd also had that Robert Williams injury news uh, drop, unfortunately, and that's really unfortunate for them. I agree because that is a really key piece for them, especially on the defensive end. We've talked many times about that. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Trey. I don't think. You know, when you talk about an organization or a winning culture, it's not—it's never built with one man, right? And even though Emadoka is not going to be there, made some mistakes, uh, you know, probably going to pay for those, and, and hopefully, you know, gets the stuff right and, and learns how to act a little bit better. Uh, but you know, even if it, even if he's not there for the full year, all those you know things are in place, and uh, you know, the, the structure is still there, the organization is still there, people still know how what happened in practices, what the game plans were, so none of that's going to change. Uh, just because there's a different head coach for a year. So I, I agree with you. Do you have something to add, add to that? Oh, I, I was waiting on you to use winning culture as the transition <laughs> into our next topic. Winning culture, yeah. Um, because that's what happened when the Bulls traded for Vooch. To me, that's what that's what the big change was. And earlier today on Twitter, I got into it with Keith and a uh, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Buzz. I don't remember what his Twitter handle is. But we were discussing the magic trade. And I, I backed myself into a corner somehow. But um, do you remember? I don't even remember how it said that. But uh, um, it ended I can't, up I trying can't. to. Are you no, trying to look it up? I was trying to look up the original quote that um, Buzz. It's at Buzz on Tap, by the way. Um, is the Twitter handle for for our friend Buzz over there? But and uh, the argument was, you guys don't think that the magic. It was a steal. It was a heist. And, it was a heist, heist. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was trying to see who had said that. Some someone in the athletic, I believe. Um, Zach Lowe from uh, ESPN. Zach Lowe. There you go. And I, I have to agree with him. I think the Magic were able to get a steal of a deal for Vucevic. When you when you look back at what they were able to get at the time of the trade, I I wouldn't have agreed with you. I thought the Bulls won the trade one hundred percent. I I I have. I've switched sides. I think the Magic won the trade. However, because of the culture change, I think it helped start. Because of what it meant for the, the franchise as a whole, I still would do it as a Bulls fan. But I, I do think the Magic won the trade, and I think they were able to to get some steals out of it. So that's why I call it a heist. I think they were able to steal the win in that trade and, be, and, and steal big. But I think I think the problem or the issue here is when you hear that it's a heist, it's like, you know, the Bulls, to me, that says the Bulls got nothing in return. And just like what you're saying, Trey, I think the Bulls got plenty. I mean, it's possible, guys and girls out there, it is possible to for both teams to win a trade. Ideally, in a perfect world, that's what will happen in every single trade is that both teams get something they want. Uh, that's why they discuss it at first and they say, hey, you know, I want this guy. I want that guy. I don't want this guy. I don't want this money on my books. I I want this draft pick. You know, whatever it is, there's lots of different moving pieces when it comes to these trades, especially when they span several years. And ideally, you know, both sides are going to win uh, when they come to a, an agreement there or at least get what they want. And I feel like that's what happened here. The Bulls got what they want, like you said, Trey. 
you know, they basically pulled off this move. It kind of shocked the league. I feel like nobody in the league had even heard that the Bulls were attached to Vooch until it happened. I know as a Bulls fan, I wasn't. And all of a sudden this happened and it was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Like that seemed like an insane hit for the Bulls because this guy was, you know, all-star level, um, still plays near that level now. And, you know, like you said, it creates, uh, you know, winning culture. Uh, it creates a culture. I don't necessarily think I would call it winning culture. It just creates a culture where the the league knows that the Bulls want to win. The Bulls are willing to go and make that move to make a, uh, to have a winning team. And so now you've got Lonzo Ball signing with the Bulls within seconds of free agency opening. You've got Tamar DeRozan signing with the Bulls. Trey, we've had many seasons in the last 15, 20 years where we went to the offseason saying, oh, these are our top free agent targets. And tell me, how many times has that panned out for the Bulls that they've gotten their top guy in free agency? I'm not very often. I, I wonder. I, I, I know I'm I'm 99% sure DeMar was coming either way. I think Lonzo probably is coming also. But I think what it signaled just to the rest, like you said, it signaled to everyone that the Bulls were back and they were they were serious about contending. And for the Magic, you know, it was time to, to reset finally. It was like a hard reset. When the Bulls traded for Vooch, they were getting ready to push for a playoff berth. Uh, I don't remember who got hurt and who got COVID, but Vooch and Zach both ended up missing time. They barely played together. And the Bulls ended up missing the playoffs. And that first-round pick they traded, thinking it was, you know, going to be 16, 17, 18, it ended up being, was it seven? Yeah, I think it was Six seven. Or seven and which is crazy. <laughs> right, they got Franz, who looks like he's probably he, he could be a star. Not a superstar, right. but he looks like he could be a star. In yes, the very good player. That, that, that is a steal. Wendell Carter Jr., I think a lot of Bulls fans thought, with a change of scenery, he could do well. We wanted to see him succeed, and he, yeah. Yeah. he has succeeded. He's exceeded everyone's expectations. He's thriving in Orlando and while that's what we wanted to see I like on 2k who's rated higher Vooch or Wendell Carter Jr. well that's like that's what I was gonna say I mean look look Wendell Carter Jr. is a good player like don't get me wrong he's a good player I liked him when he came here I still liked him like you said when when we traded him I wasn't necessarily happy to see him go um but I did have that thought I thought you know hey this guy needs to change the scenery he might be good somewhere else He's a good player, but, like, I mean, is he significantly above the average player? I don't think so. He's not going to be a star in the league. He's probably not going to win a defensive player of the league. It's not like, you know, and when you look at Vooch, this is a perennial all-star until he came to the Bulls. You know, he's a perennial all-star, and he still has that. But you also have to, like, look at their ages. Like, yeah. Would you would, would you trade Vooch for Wendell Carter Jr. straight up? Like, I would. right now? Right, right now. now. Yeah. Um, like we, we, I would gladly have Wendell Carter Jr. back right now, especially on that contract. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I would. Honestly, I don't think I would. I'm not. I think Wendell's a good player. I do. I just don't think he brings the same dimensions at all that Vooch does. I think. I don't, I don't think he does. I just. I think I would bring him in because of the age, mm-hmm. more than anything. He does. And, yeah, he does. I mean, yeah. Good. Good. Right. I was going to say, and the, the defensive side of things. I. I sure. I think his ability on the defensive end is just something that would would really be helpful right now. Sure, and I, you know I don't I don't think it'd be a, a terrible trade if, if that were to happen. Um, 
I just feel like and really know, that's I, more me trying to emphasize how far Vooch's value has fallen. Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. the Bulls were to tr- like if the Bulls were to look to move him, and I I don't I've been the biggest Vooch supporter on this pod, but yeah. if the Bulls were to look to move Vooch, you're not getting positive value no. for him except for the fact that he's an expiring contract. You yeah. might you know he's expiring, so that's where his value is. But the the league doesn't value Vooch right now. Mm-hmm. What you could get for for Franz, what you could get for well, that's an insane thing about right now. Like mm-hmm. Wendell Carter Jr., even the Bulls pick, I think it's this year, the one coming up. The yeah. East is pretty loaded this year. Could the Bulls fall back into like the lottery even? Yeah. They, you know, if, if they have another season from hell and half the team misses half the season, they could very well fall into that 10, 11 spot, 12 spot even. I hate to say it, but worst case scenario. Yeah. I, I just I think the I think the magic ended up stealing this. The reason I call it a heist is because I think in the beginning when you looked at it, the Bulls looked to be the winners, and when you just look at the value of the assets, just what a year and a half later, mm-hmm. it, it's clearly swung so far the other way. That's why I call it a heist. Yeah, I think the I think the issue is like you said, Trey. You know, the Bulls ended up being worse than they wanted to be um, after they traded for Vooch. They were hoping to make the playoffs that year. That was Zach Levine that got COVID. Um, I think it was the last maybe 10 games of the season or something like that. Eight, nine, 10 games of the season. He just wasn't able to play. And um, the Bulls just missed uh, being a playoff team, basically, uh, or just being the play in, I guess, uh, in that season. And, yeah, that, that ended up you know making our, our pick a lot more valuable than it otherwise so, would have been. Right. So so let's say they made the uh, they made the playoffs and they were picking 16th and they got mm-hmm. Al Alperin Shingun who went yeah, 16th yeah, that round. Right. If they have Shingun instead of, of Franz, are we having like is it still considered a heist? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It's yeah. it's purely because of that bad luck the Bulls had with with COVID. And yeah. not being able to maximize Vooch and Zach before Lonzo and Demar came over. And I'm not going to compare, uh, you know, Vooch to to Gobert, but I did mention this on Twitter, so I'll bring it up again so we can talk about it. But you see what Gobert went for? He went for, I believe it was five first round picks and, and three pick swaps. I believe that was the haul, uh, as well as like a bevy of young talent. And you know, Gobert. I mean, Vooch isn't Gobert. Like, don't don't get it mixed up to get it twisted but there's not when you look at when go when vooch was traded when he was a, an all-star in orlando and compared to you know when gobert was traded all-star guy defensive player of the year there's not that big of a gap between the guys and we didn't give up that much trade i feel like it was a oh, I, w- I would say there is a huge gap between what vooch mm. was and rudy is uh Ah, huge. I don't know. I guess that's that's interesting. Vooch was, le- was leading a team to 10th in the East. Rudy was leading a team to 1st in the West. That's a good point. It's a fair point. Fair point. Okay. Point taken. So I guess there's a gap there. But still, it's it's a huge package that they have for, for Gobert. Um, I don't think the Bulls mortgage are future in that way. I don't think it was like a terrible, awful trade. So the word heist, I think, is just doing a little bit too much heavy lifting in that scenario for me personally. Uh, but if you want to call it a heist... I guess you can call it eyes. You've convinced me, Trey. So there you go. Good job. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You did, you did your job there. Um, but I think that's and, gonna... and for the record, I would do it again 100 times out of 100. I think I think it sent a real statement around the league that the Bulls were, were back to being a big boy franchise, a, a yeah. big market franchise that 
was going to matter. And I also believe that Zach is a number one caliber player on a yeah. title contending yeah. team at his peak. If he reaches his peak, I think that, that he's that level of player. And you have to invest and bring winners around guys like that. And I think the Bulls were trying to do that, and I would do it again. So, yeah, go back and listen to any of the first shows that we recorded, Trey. And I think, you know, I've said from the beginning that the Bulls' biggest goal here wasn't even necessarily to make the playoffs. It wasn't necessarily to build a championship contender. It was to re-sign Zach Levine. And mission accomplished. They did that. Now we can go, you know, Vooch is on an expiring contract here. Like you said, there's not very much um, – you know, value for Vucher on the league. So I don't think he's getting traded. He's probably going to play out his contract here. <clears throat> and then maybe this offseason we do like a sign-and-trade or um, we sign him too significantly less than, than what he's making right now. You know, I think one of those two things is a possibility. And that'd be is a there win. a Miles Turner deal out there to be made? I I wish. I would love to have that, that trade. I think Miles Turner is super underrated and uh, a great defensive anchor, obviously. So I would love that. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, the goal there with with bringing Vooch over, with bringing Demar, with bringing Lonzo was to get Zach Levine to sign the deadline. He did that. Now let's go out there and really build that true contender here in the next you know one two years. I think this Lonzo thing is going to be a real bummer for the Bulls, and it's going to really you know be something that that's puts a, a wrench in the plans. But I still think that the Bulls can build something special around Zach Levine. Have Have we talked about my Gordon Hayward theory yet on here? No. What's your Gordon Hayward theory? So Lamelo's unhappy in Charlotte, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's not looking like Charlotte's going to be sniffing the play-in this year, given the lack of talent they have around yeah. Lamelo. So, what happens if the Bulls start off strong? Lonzo's knees got a little bit more of a setback, and Charlotte calls and they're like, "Hey, what do you think about Gordon Hayward for for Lonzo?" Maybe Gordon Hayward at a first for Lonzo, Kai, or you know Gordon Hayward and, and Kai Jones or something for Lonzo because we want to bring Lonzo in and to pair with Lamelo because we want Lamelo to be here and be happy. Yeah, make him happy. And, right, and you know that Lonzo's still young; they can play together for. And Gordon Hayward is on that Demar Vooch timeline, but mm-hmm. he he's got two years on his contract, and then he expires. Um, and if he's playing, he he would be excellent on the bulls he he can do everything he's above average at everything mm-hmm. and it it just smells like a deal i could see ak pulling the trigger on especially if they have doubts with his knee so yeah. i just I, I i i wanted to put it out there because i want the proof when this happens in the middle of the season i can go back and be like look i told you this was going to happen and i won't i will not be happy about it but i just i can see it happening I would not be opposed to that. But the thing is, I'm not opposed to that. And right now we just claimed earlier in the show that we're between eight and nine on our nervousness factor with Lonzo Ball. And I just feel like, you know, playing years of fantasy and 2K and all that, uh, you know, that's like the wrong time when you want to talk about, like, let's trade this guy, right? Because it's like, oh, now we're panicking. We're going to get rid of him for this. But, you know, I don't think that's a bad trade. I think, you know, even even if I'm trying to, like, be like, doesn't it just sound like something that could happen? Well, yeah. And then, and then, like you said, I think what I like the best about it is that the timeline matches up with DeMar DeRozan, which is, I think that's when we're really going to be like that championship contender is that last year of that DeMar DeRozan deal. Cause someone's going to want DeMar. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll be able to move him if we want to, if that right package, you know, comes out there for a DeMar and Alonzo or something like that. 
Um, yeah, I just think that there's a lot of, I think that, that AK has done a great job of putting together a lot of contracts that make a lot of sense. And, you know, the Bulls are never going to be like terrible again in, in, in the timeline that Zach Levine is playing for the Chicago Bulls. So that's what makes they me They won't be terrible. Optimistic. And if a a free agent, like a, a big time player, decides they want to come to Chicago, it can I think get the Bulls, yeah, I think the Bulls have set themselves up to find ways to get it done. If like Bradley Beal, like not not that I want Bradley Beal to say I want to come to Chicago, but like if he were to say I want to come to Chicago, the Bulls could find a way to make that happen. Yeah. Exactly. Now, do we want to have that to happen? I don't know. That's a different conversation. But, uh, but no, I agree with you, Trey. So, um, but yeah, that's going to do it for us today, guys. That's really all it is. Hopefully, we'll have some more to cover here. And, like, uh, it's a training cap starting really soon here. Uh, so, we're going to have more news and, and stuff to talk about here uh, in the coming weeks. It's going to be really exciting, man. But uh, I'm Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBPKeith. And, Trey, where can the good people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And please go follow the show, guys, at EthosBulls, at EthosBulls. And if you're on iTunes, give us a five-star review. Let us know where, how we're doing. I mean, it doesn't matter if we're doing terribly. Tell us if we're doing terribly. But just give us five stars so more people can listen to us and hear us and tell us we're terrible. Uh, it doesn't really matter what they have to say. But we just want people to, to listen. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading. And uh, go Bulls. We'll talk to you soon.